who may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Farther back in history you can look, the further forward you are likely to see. That's sort of a quote from Winston Churchill. I, I added a few words here and there. The further back in history you can look, the further forward you are likely to see. How true is that? Folks, tonight... Well, this is the Hagman and Hagman Report. I'm Doug Hagman. Um, I'm flying solo tonight. Joe is still recuperating. We had a conversation today. He was going to come in, and we decided to give him some extra time to recuperate. After all, his surgery was just uh, last Tuesday, or Wednesday, I guess it was. And we, we you know, I, I, I said, man, I'm, I'm being a little bit more, uh, a little bit, a little bit too demanding by having you come in. So why don't you just take and uh, meet with your doctor on Wednesday, which will be a week, and then uh, uh, get released from there. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll take care of that. So he, he, <laughs> I didn't have to twist his arm too much. But he said, I'm bored, I'm bored. Now, do some research and uh, uh, get back to me when you feel better. So, But but he's doing well. Of course, recovering from surgery. Folks, you are listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report, watching the Hagman and Hagman Report. Here it is, um, again, Doug Hagman, and uh, our home base on the Internet is hagmanandhagman.com. That's for show information and hagmanreport.com for show prep. And that's what we really need to concentrate on today. Got a great show for you lined up today. Just me, just me in the driver's seat, just me and you, just us. Don't Don't confuse that with justice. No, it's just us. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for being part of our extended family of listeners. Really appreciate your presence. Really appreciate every email you sent. I was going through some uh, uh, snail mail that we received here at the office. And uh, just so incredibly touched by everyone who has, has contributed to the show, 
thank you so much. Thank you so very much. And who has written a note of, of support, written a note of encouragement. Each and every one of you, thank you so very much for all you do and being part of our lives. You know, tonight's show is, we're going to break down a couple of things. First of all, we're, we're going to be breaking down, I'm going to be breaking down, of course, the uh, Dallas, but not in the traditional sense. The larger, what we're seeing here, what Dallas is, the bigger picture, I'm going to give you the wide-angle view tonight of Dallas, because Dallas will represent another significant turning point in our history. Obama's got 190 approximately days left to warm the seat up in the Oval Office, at which point they're going to have to get a cleaning crew in there and, uh, you know, scrub down and scrub everything down because of all the Marxist, uh, Leninist, Maoist uh, propaganda that's stuck to the walls and ceiling and drapes and curtains and floors and whatever. Um, to be to be sure, but uh, what I've done is I've I've taken I'm taking a, I've taken a bigger look here, a larger wide angle look at what's taking place in across this country, and I found a couple of things that actually made me go back to my bookshelf. We've got a, a vast library here at the Hagman Studio, and uh, I found this book here. And I think I might have shown this to you before. I'm not sure. This book is, uh, was, well, this book is 40 years old and it was published, well, it was published by U.S. News and World Report back in 1970. Of course, it was one of those really bad, uh, uh, binding jobs. So it's falling apart, but, uh, I intend to get it, uh, uh, fixed from here. It's called Communism and the New Left. Hence the name of this program, because a lot of what we're seeing here today is a reformulation of what's in this book. Very important information. This book names names and names parties and names different organizations that existed in the 1970s. All right, well, into the 60s and the 70s. We've written the rest of the story since then, or the rest of the story has been written since then. Unfortunately, not too many people have told the story since then. Um, so we're going to be going through that tonight, going through a lot of things tonight. I'd also like to direct you to, for show prep, folks, HagmanReport.com. My article today, Obama's Agenda of Anarchy. Please, Please read that. After the show, and uh, I'd also urge you to do one more thing. I'm a senior contributing writer at CanadaFreePress.com, and of course, at Canada Free Press, they've got the ability to accept and moderate comments. Go ahead and discuss this article at CanadaFreePress.com. It's on the front page. It's above the fold. Maybe talking about this article too. The reason that this article is so important is we have noticed we, meaning everyone here at the office Canada Free Press has noticed this other journalists have noticed how we're being censored we're being the, the truth is being censored history is being rewritten it's at an incredible rate new books <laughs> New books are not 
are, are, are not being cataloged properly. If you write a new book about history or about Obama, uh, you'll, you will watch and, and, and see the censorship that is, has been taking place or is taking place. It's, very, it's, it's a very disconcerting thing to watch. And you might think it's not a very big deal in the scheme of things, but as you look through the, as you look through the information, you'll see how we are being, how the truth is being censored from the American people. And I want to thank you too for, uh, for hanging with me. I know I, I sound kind of, still sound kind of nasally. Had a, uh, uh, <laughs> quite quite a weekend. And, uh, pretty much uh, never left my home all weekend, um, which uh, which was all right didn't see my wife too much I, th- I think I was awake for about uh, all, all of 45 minutes the entire weekend so got some good rest but uh, but thanks for your prayers as well but let's get into a couple of things right now you'll, you'll notice on my monitor to my right I've got a picture of Obama this is a creation by our graphic designer creative evangelist JD there you go just smack the monitor up there uh, that's pretty much the image, the mental image you probably should retain of this particular renegade in chief. Um, The ambush, now Obama's agenda of anarchy, which is the, the, which is really the kind of the, the tent poles of tonight's program. The ambush in Dallas that specifically targeted white police officers last uh, last week. That, of course, the most visibly brazen act of, of terror against police officers this century. And, and I know by body count, of course, 9/11 had had uh, many more officers were were killed, but but specifically targeting officers. What happened in Dallas is as horrific as you can get. The implications over Dallas, over over that attack, are extremely severe and extremely critical to understand. But but to understand what we are witnessing today, we must it must first be made clear that the murderous attacks on police have little to do with the questionable attacks or questionable deaths of the men the people who have died at the hands of the police departments across the country. Now, just to be clear, because we have a lot of police officers who listen to this program. I've got friends who are police officers, federal and local police officers. They're good people. Just to be clear, we are pro-law enforcement. Now, that doesn't mean we are pro- or uh, anti-Second Amendment, anti-Fourth Amendment people. No, 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 no. Now, law enforcement has a job to do. Their, that job, of course, is is a difficult one at best. We are against the the unfair or or the uh, the beating of unarmed individuals. We are against uh, police officers going far beyond what they have been hired to do. Uh, we we are against the the unconstitutional roadside stops and your papers, please. We're against all of that. And, and you know, many police officers, at least the ones I know, are as well. But to say that does not mean that we are against police officers or their their conduct, just the bad ones. I, 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 
for lack of a better descriptive term. But let's put everything in perspective. How many people, and I had brought this up before, but I'm, because this is a new program and this is a new week and a new, even some new listeners, and I want to thank you, uh, uh, I want to thank you, John, from uh, the UK for listening in. Also, Robert from Iowa, God bless you. Thank you. A lot of new listeners all across the United States. But how many people do you think were fatally shot by police in 2015? The Washington Post had done an article about this, had done, actually had done a project, a research project on this. How many people were fatally shot by police in 2015? It turns out 990 people. 990. 948 were men and 42 were were women, were female. All right? In 2015. How many of, of that 990 were white or black? You would think, from hearing everything on the news, that, the, the, that there's this dis, disparate number of black people being murdered by police officers. Well, as it turns out, 494 Caucasian people were murdered, or were, I'm sorry, were fatally shot by police in 2015. That's 494. That's well over 50%. 258 black persons were shot fatally in 2015 by police. So you've got the figures, 494 white, 258 black. Hispanic, 172, others, 38, and for some reason unknown, I'm not exactly certain what that means, 28. Statistically, however, insignificant, we know they're not black. So in total, out of 990 people fatally shot in 2015, 258 people were black. These are the numbers by the Washington Post, commissioned study, by the Washington Post. You can't claim that that's a conservative jury. This, this was not done by the NRA. Okay. This, uh, <laughs> 18 of the people fatally shot by police in 2015, 18 of them were under the age of 18. By the numbers 18 to 29, 330. Uh, 30 to 44, 353. 45 and over, 277. Unknown, 12. All right, numbers. They also had something else called threat level. Was there an attack in progress? Now, this is further broken down, but this is all I'm going to give you because this is all that's really needed. An attack in progress, meaning that there was an attack of some kind by the the person that was fatally shot either against the police or against someone else or there was something bad taking place clearly a majority at 730 and then you go into other and undetermined which again not knowing or not really having the uh, statistical uh, meanings behind that not really a problem so by the numbers the number of 
black people fatally shot by police in 2015 were 258 out of the entire 990 people. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you that uh, that there are a whole lot more white people shot by by police than blacks. And if you want to do, excuse me, for example, a statistical uh, view of this, you know, get dig further into the statistics, or you might say, yeah, but there's more white people in the United States. You can break it down by by geography, by region, by area and even take it further. No matter how you skew the numbers, how you mess with the numbers, it it doesn't come out where the it doesn't come out where the blacks are overly shot by police, fatally shot by police. It doesn't work out that way. So I just want you to know that. So what we're witnessing today with Black Lives Matter, what we're witnessing today is not about those people, those black people who were shot by police in 2015, 2014, and, and, and previous. Now, I will say this. Okay, the, the numbers do change in previous years, but not in favor of black fatalities. So, hang on a second. And that would have been pretty bad to hear on the air. I just had to clear my clear my nose there. Anyway, now, have we seen this before? We, yes, indeed we have. Again, which I, comes back to my my book, and I'll just hold the cover up here, Communism and the New Left. We've seen this happen before. This type of orchestrated chaos, folks, specifically in the late 1960s and 1970s, during the radicalization of students and people across college campuses, just a number of people, number of young people. We've seen the the protests, the sit-ins, the armed takeovers of campus offices by the radical left. Have we not? We, we They today are increasing just as they were back in the 60s. Back then, the increases in, in their, their modes and reasons for actions and protests were blamed on the Vietnam War primarily. Look at what's happening today. Can we see some parallels today? Many of the anti, or many of the Black Lives Matter uh, protesters are blaming war, whether it's Afghanistan, Iraq, blaming the Bush administration. And I'm not, that's, I'm not saying that they're wrong necessarily, but you can see some of the parallels between the, the 1960s and 1970s through the this century right now. Some of the very people who were involved in the street-level takeovers are or have been in power under Obama. This is important because as we break down, and it's necessary to do this, as we break down Black Lives Matter, the organization, uh, we, we split open this, this rock. We start looking under the rock that is Black Lives Matter. A lot of things come flying out of there and come crawling out of there. But take, for example, Eric Holder, who was... Obama's first attorney general when he when he came into office back in 09 Eric Holder for example participated in the takeover of the former Columbia ROTC office demanding that it be renamed to the Malcolm X lounge now this was an unoccupied building within the Columbia within Columbia University now when you do some research on this just to tell you how disingenuous 
the historians are, certain historians are, there were two actual two takeovers at Columbia University, one in 1968 and the other in 1970. The disingenuous part of, of, of the historians will say, well, Holder wasn't even in college in 1968. He was still in high school. Well, of course. 1970, he was a freshman at Columbia and was recruited for that particular takeover, which was a sit-in. Now, you're going to see other other uh, uh, other websites and, and even Wikipedia, I believe, will challenge the fact that these people were armed. These, these protesters were armed at the time. And you might ask, what does it matter? Well, it matters a lot because facts do matter. The fact is, Holder himself had a couple of times said, "Look, we were, you know, we were armed during that takeover in 1970." By the way, they held this; they held off for five days. But of course, you're going to see this disputed on a number of websites because, again, they're going to other sources of information. Holder himself has admitted the fact that some of those people who took over that lounge were in fact armed. Snopes is a good example of, uh, of one website that, in my view, at least in my professional estimation, gets it wrong or presents it in, improperly. Now, what we're seeing today, it's important to note that other members of Obama's tight inner circle they have played and continue to play important roles to varying degrees, including his advisors. Remember people like Van Jones and, and others. In this fundamental changing of the United States, Bill Ayers, don't forget Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. You know, folks, remember that when we had talked about, for example, um, we had talked about the... Uh, uh, we had talked about Obama's heritage, or you know, Obama's lineage, Obama's history, Obama, the people Obama has been sided with or been associated with. The, the classmate of Obama, when you go back and look, and, and this is why some of the records that aren't available now are so extremely important. For example, his days at Occidental College, off-limits, Columbia, off-limits. But anyway, Dr. John C. Drew, classmate of Obama at Occidental College, you can see it up here on the screen. The young Obama was a garden-variety Marxist-Leninist. <laughs> you can't get much clearer than that. Um, he, he and his sophomore year roommate, Hassan Chandu, believed that social forces were creating an inevitable, an inevitable communist revolution in the United States and it was important to have a highly trained elite educated uh, elite of educated leaders guide this revolutionary process and oversee it. Once the revolution took place, remember this was at the height of the Cold War during the end of Carter beginning of Reagan days now, this is what also, too, Ronald Reagan had just been elected president and the Soviet Union was still our mortal enemy. 
It's interesting because we see Obama taking the side of the Soviet Union at the time. We see Obama's, some of Obama's friends taking the sides of the communists. And we see that today. So, we are seeing today, folks, exactly what happens when we allow a man with known ties to members of Marxist, Leninist, even the Maoist left, take charge of a nation. We're seeing the fruits of his known associations, past and present, that were brushed aside. And many of you conservatives out there brushed these aside, saying his lineage, his bona fides don't really matter. We need to fight him on the issues, not on his past. Well, we're seeing, and of course we were called, you know, fringe conspiracy talk, uh, even by some of the people in our own circles. Those who have questioned his meteoric rise to power, from community organizer to his place at the Oval Office. Yeah, we were told to sit down and shut up. Through his appointments, folks, Obama, and, and through his own words, they've, they've, his biases are perfectly clear. We know his biases with respect to Muslims. When an ill wind blows, he's going to side with the Muslims, paraphrasing his words from his book. Of course, when the Marxist or the winds of revolution blow, as they are doing today, who is he going to side with? He's going to side with the Marxist, Leninist, revolutionaries. And any movements to replace the racist, capitalist, imperialist American system. But see, in order to, to replace what we got right now, the old system has to be burnt to the ground. Remember way back when in 2008, Election Day? I think I might have it here. Um, let me just uh, double-check here. Now, I'm I'm doing this... Uh, let's see here. I'm doing this kind of on the fly. So, so bear with me. But remember on Election Day. How many, how many people... Uh, how many people remember this photograph? Black Panthers at the voting booth in Philadelphia. The intimidating presence of armed Black Panthers in voting areas in Philadelphia, Election Day 2008. What happened to that case? Actually, the Bush administration attorney general had that case and, and dropped it didn't do anything with it. Left it for Obama. Holder picked it back up and Holder decided through the recommendation of Obama not to pursue criminal charges. Eric Holder by orders of Obama. Don't charge the Black Panthers. It was kind of a wink and a nod uh, initially by the Bush administration, hey, you don't have to prosecute these people. And of course, Holder did not. Did this not embolden the Black Panthers? Did this not set back racial relations because of the fact that, well, here we have obvious racists here in this photograph. These people are truly racist. Holder had an opportunity to fight racism. 
racism comes in black, white, and all colors, and, and didn't do this. So weren't race relations set back because of this? And, and weren't the Black Panthers, the new Black Panthers now, emboldened by the lack of prosecution? I think so. Fast forward to 2009. Remember the famous, or now infamous, Beer Summit of 2009? I mentioned this in my article. It was a highly spun meeting that occurred at the White House, which stemmed from uh, Henry Louis Gates, his arrest. Now, Gates, at the time, was a black Harvard University professor. He was arrested by a white police officer, Sergeant James Crowley, of the Cambridge Police Department at his home on July 16, 2009. Gates had just come back from China, apparently forgotten forgot his key or didn't have his key and was breaking into his own home to go home to get into the house well neighbors called the police Gates was detained because well didn't know who he was and a big racial thing became uh, came of that so without knowing the facts Obama spouts off and says, well, that's not right. It, it's due to racial bias. And, of course, called for a meeting at the White House and infamously became known as the Beer Summit. And Gates was paraded out as the victim of racial profiling and Sergeant Crowley, of course, as the, the white police officer making a decision based on solely on race. Damn the facts. And it just got worse from there. But even more important than all of that, his associates, as we had discussed in the beginning. And folks, you know this. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you know most of the people associated with Obama. You know Bill Ayers. We've had uh, Larry Grouthwall on talking about Bill Ayers. You know his wife, Bernadine Dorn. We've had Larry Grouthwell talking about Bernadine Dorn. Two people, two individuals with access to Obama at the White House. And, of course, Bernadine Dorn being part of the Weather Underground, as was Bill Ayers, wanted by the FBI, arrested, unrepentant terrorists, both. Here's Bernadine Dorn today, cleaned up, yet still adhering to radical Marxist-Leninist views. This is Obama's inner circle. Now, Obama's going to deny that, but White, White House visitor logs and other writings will show that, yes, there is a relationship between Obama and many of his associates, Obama's associates with Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. Again, we don't have to belabor the issue. You know the facts. And, of course, here's Bill Ayers. That picture was taken and published on, actually, 9-11-2001. Bill Ayers standing on top of an American flag. But when you start taking things apart and start looking at the different things, start looking at the different uh, aspects of Black Lives Matter. And I would urge everyone to do this. It's not what you think. Black Lives Matter is not what you think it is. When I, when I was writing the article today about Black Lives Matter and about the, 
Obama, the the anarchist, I was trying to think of of an analogy. And the only thing I could think of was Benghazi or the email scandal. I mean, they're, they're lies. They're all the same. They're, they're lies using the same playbook. They're lies from the same playbook to misrepresent the facts. Let me tell you about Black Lives Matter. I mean, how many people think that, how many people think you know about what Black Lives Matter is? And how many of our astute talk show hosts really really get in and talk about Black Lives Matter. Well, I don't know of too many that really break it down and follow the money. You know, we're seeing today, we're seeing like uh, scenes like this across the United States where we have we have uh, protesters. Big signs. Black Lives Matter. Well, all lives matter. But we're seeing that, aren't we? We're seeing these kind of protests. Folks, the Black Lives Matter movement, they say it was a a spontaneous uprising born of inner-city frustration, uh, of this need for equality and justice for blacks. And again, it just happened to spontaneously form back in 2013. That's not the case at all. Black Lives Matter has been... In, in 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 formation for a number of years now, just under different names. There are three individuals who are behind Black Lives Matter. And this is important for you to know. Three individuals who are a part of Black Lives Matter. I'm going to show you all three right now. And here we go. On the monitor to my right, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi. Black Lives Matter was established formally under BLM in 2013 by these three women. They were co- BLM was co-founded by these three, three women. Their objective was to stoke black rage and galvanize a protest movement in response to the acquittal of George Zimmerman, remember the Trayvon Martin case, and and issues prior to that. Well, they took they took the uh, the hashtag and put it before Black Lives Matter, and used that as a social networking rallying cry for writers, public speakers, politicians, anyone who. Anyone who wanted to jump on that bandwagon. And as we look at this, look at how this came about, we have to look at the individuals who brought this about. The three women who brought this about have interesting backgrounds. Let me see if I can find the uh, the notes. Regardless, these three women and in particular, Alicia Garza, are self-proclaimed Marxists. They're anti-capitalist, anti-white. They're not just pro-black, they're anti-white. And they're anti-anti-immigration laws. They're for open immigration, open borders, no questions asked. 
going to get up, you know, going to get into this in a minute here, because to understand what what this combination, what these three women have done and are doing, and the groups that have formed and comprised Black Lives Matter is so extremely important. They, they took the, they adopted the slogan, by the way, hands up, don't shoot. That was first popularized by Dream Defenders and grew out of the death of Michael Brown. Remember that? The young black man in Ferguson, Missouri, who was killed by a white police officer? This after he tried to take the officer's handgun during a confrontation. Now, in the immediate aftermath of that incident, numerous racial agitators circulated the false narrative that Brown had been shot after raising his hands in complete submission and said, don't shoot. Hence the rallying cry, hands up, don't shoot. Demanding that Americans abandon the lie that the deep psychological wounds of slavery, racism, and structural oppression are just merely figments of the black person's imagination. Black Lives Matter. BLM aims to force the country to become, quote, and I quote, uncomfortable about institutional racism. Emphasizing the permanence uh, of American uh, uh, depredations, BLM means that the nation, uh, maintains that the nation's corrupt democracy was originally built on genocide, slavery, corrupt democracy, obviously, and traditions of patriarch, uh, patriarchy, classism, racism, and, and even unwarranted military action. They endure to this day, according to BLM. We are ugly Americans, according to BLM. There is oppression, structural oppression, prevents many of us from realizing our dreams, the blacks, that is. Now, blacks in the United States are routinely dehumanized, that they're not given any opportunities or any chances to make it in the United States. They are powerless at the hands of the state. They are being deprived of their basic human rights and dignity. They are being intentionally targeted for extrajudicial killings by police officers and within the justice, criminal justice system. This according to BLM. They are hunted by police and vigilantes. According to BLM, they also state that they are collectively subjected to inhumane conditions in a white supremacist system. All right. The It's interesting because although BLM, although they profess to articulate the needs and grievances, grievances of black people in general, as a whole, as a group, as a race, the organizers state, look, it's necessary that we go well beyond the narrow nationalism that merely urges black people to, quote, love black, live black, and buy black. No, no, we can't have that. We can't have just that, that is. We've been we've been so marginalized that, that is the black race, according to BLM, that we must do more. 
In fact, we must take on the causes of others that include, but are not limited to, the queers and transgendered who are being marginalized, who bear a unique burden in our society that disposes them like uh, disposes them as garbage. This is according to, to BLM. This is what, what whites are doing to blacks. Whites are doing to uh, homosexuals and the LGBT community. BLM has also taken up the mantle, not of just the blacks, not of just the LGBTs now, but of Muslims as well, saying that they are being racially profiled unfairly. And they've also taken up the mantle for those in the country illegally. In my article, I, I do note that uh, the three, the three uh, co-founders of BLM. Let me just make sure I get this correctly here. One of the co-founders, BLM co-founder Opal Tometi. Now she was born to a set of parents who came to this country illegally in 1983 from Nigeria. She was born in America in 1984 to illegal aliens in this country. That's Opal Tometi. She's been a national organizer for Black Alliance for Just Immigration, which is a George Soros-funded group. Their goal is to advance immigrant rights and racial justice for African Americans, African Latinos, and African and Caribbean immigrant communities. Soros's money is behind this anchor baby, co-founder of BLM, but also founder or the organizer for Black Alliance for Just Immigration. You might be surprised to learn that on September 23rd, 2013, she accepted, and this is Opal Tometi, accepted an invitation to the White House and met with one of Obama's African-American liaisons, or a liaison to the African-American community. Heather Foster was her name. Foster helped coordinate Obama's response to various high-profile instances of blacks having been shot by police officers. This woman, Opal Tometi, basically gave the Obama regime the script, what to say, how to handle things. A Marxist. We look at... uh, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, both self-proclaimed Marxists. All three are radical progressives. All three believe that America is racist, sexist, homophobic, and again, was built on genocide. But when you start peeling the layers of the onion back even further, it's interesting because, um, oh, and and, uh, Patrice Cullors, met with Michelle Obama forgot to add that at the White House on February 20th 2015 in July of 2015 callers spoke at the annual Netroots Nation convention in Phoenix 
Now, here's a woman, co-founder of Black Lives Matter, said this, subsequent to the meeting with uh, Michelle Obama. She She exhorted fellow blacks to rise the F up and burn everything down. Marxist indeed. She also said that uh, the black-on-black crime is nothing more than a white man's myth. Many of the groups associated with BLM and its co-founders are merely front groups for Marxist-Leninist freedom. Uh, The Marxist-Leninist group called Freedom Road Socialist Organization, abbreviated FRSO. You've got offshoots of that various other acronyms in DWA, S-O-U-L, R-T-T-C, and POWER. Basically what we have are different groups, all Marxist-Leninist, all communist-based groups, all groups who believe that we need or that America needs to be burnt down and reestablished in their image, in the image of a Marxist, in the image of a communist, And when you start putting the pieces together, we're seeing that we are watching this coup being orchestrated from the White House. I don't think you can doubt that. I don't think there's any doubt that Obama is behind much of this. Did you notice today, folks, that Obama is to speak at Dallas, and he's not wanted there. When you take a look at the Black Lives Matter, the associations with Black Lives Matter today, all the people involved, the three people, um, the three people that are pictured here, the three women, these women didn't start Black Lives Matter. They just, they just applied it to social media. But these three are all Marxist, communist, socialist renegades. The playbook they're using with the exception of, of social media, comes from the original playbook of the original communist Marxist Leninists back in the 1960s, 1970s. So what does this mean for us right now? The operational consistencies we are seeing, they're astounding. When you start looking at what happened in 1968, you start looking at what happened with the Black Panthers, with the weather underground we have seen and we're seeing this resurgence now of the same of basically of the same playbook the same plays being made coming out right now but it's getting worse as we monitor the social networking we are seeing the New Black Panthers, which, by the way, disavow any relationship to the old Black Panthers, except they stole their name. I don't believe that's true. In my view, based on everything I found, that is not true. That is, that is a lie. They're basing a lot of their current actions on the actions of the former Black Panthers of the '60s. But when you, when you start taking a look at what's taking place with the New Black Panthers. Black Lives Matter, 
in all of these subgroups. They're all Marxists, they're all Leninists, they're all communists. They are trying to, and, and doing an effective job, by the way, they're selling Americans. Well, it's wrong. I mean, there's this disproportion of number of blacks being killed by police. There's, uh, if you're a black man in today's America, you're having a hard time. It's the police, it's the system's fault. We have to change the system. And I, I will admit, there are problems. There are definite problems with certain police office, certain police departments. I understand that. But all professions have problems. But what they are attempting to do, and what they are doing right now, and what they've done with expedience over the last several months alone, well, since 2013, they have managed in such a short period of time to merge with the Muslims, the illegal aliens in this country, groups like MS-13, the communists, the Communist Party USA, the socialists and their various groups. They are now taking on the cause of all of these other groups in this country. Much like, yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Very similar to that, but bigger than that. Because all of these groups have one thing in common, and that's the destruction of the United States. That's what's taking place right now. And as we look over the landscape, the the immediate landscape, as we look over the summer events coming up, we are seeing a trending in the social in the social media, backed by BLM, backed by these three women, backed by others related and associated with these women. We are seeing calls for additional strikes on the police. We're seeing calls for the burning down of our cities, the burning up of our cities, the destruction of the white man's privilege. We are seeing calls for people to go out and and shoot white men and to take their stuff. Yeah, take their stuff because of the years of oppression. And the call is to do it now. There are calls out, numerous calls, on on all the social media channels to disrupt the Republican National Convention, to disrupt the convention, to harass anyone who supports Donald Trump or anyone on the conservative side. They're calling for war against Christians. They're calling for the death of the of the white man and the, of the Christian and the elevation of the black, of the illegal alien, of the lawbreaker and the lawless. The LGBT community they are ingratiating themselves within that community as well. 
this is what we're seeing take place right now and it's all being allowed facilitated even at the highest levels of our government at the highest levels of our judiciary of our executive branch meanwhile people either don't get it don't believe it or think it's or think it's hyped it's overstated it's not there there are and, and notice too calls are to assassinate to to kill white police officers this is one call that's being taken up by the by the muslims in this country by remember all of the illegals brought in by obama there's no allegiance here to anything american and certainly no allegiance to any any caucasian male this is all part of a larger plan larger agenda back in the 1960s of course there was a big push with johnson to open the gates the floodgates for not just western europeans to come into this country but but people of color people from africa people from other parts of the world that did take place the call is now yeah regardless of where you're from come on in you don't need papers and we're going to be giving you benefits but you have to side with us see this illegal immigration or legal alien invasion it's not about mere votes it's not anything about I mean it's not just about votes it's not just about cheap labor it's about having pawns in the game black lives matter is a lie it's a lie being sold by the public or to the public by the media by the politicians under the pretext of equal rights just as we were sold the bill of goods or some of us were that homosexual marriage marriage equality was about equal rights it was not about equal rights it was about special rights and and even more than that so too is this notice the same lies that were used in Benghazi the pretext used in Benghazi same lines, same playbook, same people. On the other side, we're going to tell you exactly what we believe is going to happen this summer when we come back. Doug Hagman sitting in for Joe Hagman. Stay right, stay right where you're at. More to follow. This is the Global Star Radio Network. City, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles 
Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this hour of the Hagman Hagman Report. I'm going to remind you again a quote from Winston Churchill. The further back in history you look, the further ahead you can see. If we look back in history, we can see what's ahead for us in the near term, and it's not pretty. You know, uh, last hour I was talking about uh, BLM, Black Lives Matter, hashtag BLM, and really what a what a farce, what a lie Black Lives Matter is. Um, more on that in a second. I just want to make sure I, I tell everyone that uh, American Survival Wholesale, folks, visit American Survival Wholesale. Get prepared for what's coming. You, you know, oftentimes during the day I think, wow, what would, what would we do with if a supply disruption hit us? What about the food? Do we have enough food for to feed our families? Do we have enough? Uh, what about the equipment needed? Uh, uh, first aid equipment. Well, visit AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. That's AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com for all of your survival needs. Also, HealthMasters.com. What would I do without HealthMasters? They've helped me a great deal. Many of their uh, nutritional supplements. What a great deal on nutritional su- supplements at HealthMasters. And if you use the coupon code DougBook, you can also get a free book, Breakthrough Health. It's well worth it. Oh, there's a lot of great information from uh, written by Dr. Ted Brower, who, by the way, is going to be on with us on Friday talking a little bit more in depth about the mechanics, what he believes the mechanics of, of uh, the Dallas shooting were. And, and I would say that we're going to have another, based on just what I, I'm looking at and seeing, there will be more incidents that will take place between now and then. For sure, between now and the conventions, but between now and Friday, I do suspect that we're going to see another uh, flare-ups across at various locations across the United States. But the first hour we're talking about the line that is Black Lives Matter and the three women Marxists who, who are behind it. And they are like a magnet attracting other causes, the Muslim causes. They're attracting the uh, uh, LGBT causes. 
Anything to break down society, that's what they're attracting. And that's what they are they're using to take down, to attack the system of capitalism in this country, in this country itself. The moral, the cultural, the monetary fabric of this country, the spiritual fabric of this country. It has nothing or very little to do with the perceived injustices against blacks. And I read you the statistics of blacks fatally shot by police officers in uh, 2015. Out of 990, 258 were fatally shot. Not quite the number you might be expecting, at least not if you listen to the major media and Black Lives Matter. But have you noticed, folks, that Black Lives Matter, they appear to be exercising a considerable amount of leverage over the progressive party, the Democratic Party, in part by intimidating, pressuring candidates, Democratic candidates, including but not limited to Hillary, Rodham, Clinton, and Bernie Sanders when he was in the running, intimidating them into embracing their cause. The BLM movement, by the way, could also assist Obama's exploitation of racial divisions beyond his final term in office. And that is the intent. You know, exploiting the black race to promote Marxist, the Marxist agenda and revolution, it's not, it's not a new tactic. It's an old tactic. And as I mentioned, we, I had talked to Larry Grathwalt, a former FBI informant, infiltrator of the weather underground. He understood from personal experience, folks, that communists exploited blacks, exploited homosexuals, other minority groups. He said that weather underground terrorists Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn regarded Barack Obama, whose political career they sponsored, as a tool, as a puppet, as nothing more than a figurehead to use against white America. You, you see, Obama's legacy, when he leaves office, what's he? They, when we look back on Obama's legacy, what are we going to see? We are going to see this racial divide, this exploitation of this racial division. Now, I told you that the BLM was launched back in 2013 with a Twitter hashtag. That was a result of the Trayvon Martin case, George Zimmerman. Well, and I mentioned, too, the three women who began the social media campaign, Alicia Garza, Patrice, Patrice Collars, and Opal Tometi. They, of course, claim credit for the slogan, for the hashtag. And then following the the Michael Brown shooting back in 2014, uh, Dream Defenders. Now, this is an organization, and this is important because all of these organizations you're going to be hearing about, or maybe you won't hear about them, but Dream Defenders, it's an organization led by Working Families Party, otherwise known as... Ready for it? Wait for it. Acorn. Activist and Occupy Wall Street anarchist uh, Nalini Stomp. Uh, Stomp. 
popularized the phrase, hands up, don't shoot. You know, that's since become BLM's widely recognized slogan. But all three of these, these women, Garza, Callers, and Tometi, all work for front groups of the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, FRSO. That's important to remember. One of the four largest radical left organizations in this country. The other organizations, Communist Party USA, Democratic Socialists of America, and the Committees of Correspondence for Democracy and Socialism. They're known by their acronyms, CPUSA, DSA, and CCDS. Now, Nalini Stamp, or Stomp Acorn, now rebranded under a variety of different names, works with all four of these organizations. And Dream Defenders is backed by the Service Employees International Union, SEIU. When's the last time you heard anyone talk about the SEIU? And, by the way, the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and others. So, the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, or FSRO, is a descendant of the new communist movement, which, by the way, was inspired by Mao and the many communist revolutions throughout the world in the 60s and the 70s, which is why I brought that, that book. Now, FRSO split into two separate groups back before the year 2000. In 1998 and 1999, they split into two groups, FS or FRSO uh, slash Fight Back and FRSO OSCL, meaning Freedom, the, the latter meaning Freedom Road Socialist Organization and its Spanish name as well abbreviated by the OSCL. Now, Black Lives, Matters, uh, Black Lives Matter and its founders are allied with the latter group most generally. Now, FRSO is comprised of dozens of groups and subgroups. And the, reason, the reason this is important is because you might take a look at certain movements and, and, and certain groups and say, well, where do they fit in that to, to this whole mess? Well, since Obama has taken over, you've seen a lot of splintering of groups, not and Hillary Clinton as well, much like you saw Hillary Clinton as the uh, head of the Department of State in the Middle East. There was a lot of fragmentation of, of, of terrorist groups. You're seeing the same thing here domestically. That's an important idea, and it's important to understand that. The radical left, or the progressive model, is based on many organizations coming together that are working on separate issues, but ultimately they're dedicated to the same thing, which is overthrowing our society in order to replace it with a hardcore socialist or communist one. This is why we had Obama for two terms. This is why we had Obama when we had Obama. And this is why I believe Hillary Clinton is slated to take the mantle, the, the, the chair in the Oval Office from Obama. I hope that's not the case. I hope I'm wrong. But, but the goal is to present the appearance of 
this formidable mass of organizations. Some are, are, are big, many are small. Many have little more than a Facebook or a website presence. But when necessary, when called upon, and this is what Obama is doing, this is what Loretta Lynch is doing, this is what Holder had, has done, and it, they can all come together to promote whatever cause might be at the center of, of whatever issue. We saw this happen in the Obergefell decision. If you look at all of the people who, all of the groups who either filed an amicus brief or were behind the, was behind the uh, decision, the Supreme Court decision, in favor of in, in favor of of uh, of uh, uh, the uh, uh, the homosexual marriage, you're going to see all of these groups, all of these groups promoting that cause. The, even though, for example, Black Lives Matter it had nothing to do with the homosexual issue, they took up the cause at that time, or at least the components thereof. The, see, the real enemy of all these groups is the white, Christian, conservative, male and female, the nuclear family, and everything that America stands for. The real enemy is, in their view, the system. The real enemy is anything that's good, moral, spiritual, ethical, and lawful. This is why the Black Lives Matter crowd denies, for example, that uh, denies black-on-black crime. They deny the factual issues that adversely impact things like homosexual marriage. You watch how many times they will get a a so-called expert to plead their case in the media. Black Lives Matter is just one of many projects of FRSO. So understand that. Just one of many. By the way, FRSO membership is dis- is disproportionately represented by by blacks, by homosexuals, and by women. Garza, Alicia Garza. She wrote. Um, she wrote an article uh, of BLM. Her story of BLM is, and I quote, queer, black veteran activist involved in numerous FRSO organizations. Now, if you take a look at, uh, if you go to uh, Black Lives Matter, if you go to the website, or if you take a look or or just do research of of Alicia Garza, uh, you can see her resume. Executive Director of People Organized to Win Employment Rights Power. She's a board member of of School of Unity and Liberation. 2011 board chair of the Right to the City Alliance. Here's how she describes herself. I'm sorry, no, this is Patrice Cullors. Patrice Cullors describes herself as, and I quote, a working class queer black woman. Now she claims that the country killed her father who was a drug addict and as I mentioned before during the uh, first hour Colors 
had said. If I die in police custody, burn everything down, rise the F up, that's the only way MFers like you will listen. Ironically, she ironically she found it in directs dignity and power now. I'm not sure I see any dignity in that statement. Which claims to seek, seek dignity and power of incarcerated people, their families, and communities. By, by the way, she where did she get her training from? Where did, who's her mentor? Eric Mann? Name sound familiar? If not, well, I'll tell you, he was a former weather underground leader. That's right, activist back in the 60s. Eric Mann, by the way, makes over a quarter million dollars a year from living off the system, in the system, I should say. Uh, the same system he advocates destroying. And Opal Tometi, uh, I mentioned earlier, is a daughter of illegal aliens from Nigeria. And she works, well, she once worked for the ACLU defending illegal aliens against, quote, vigilantes opposed to illegal immigration. She's currently the executive director of Black Alliance for Just Immigration. So where's all this money coming from? Because we have to follow the money, follow the blood trail, follow the money. FRSO, BLM, these organizations are generously supported by a, a whole host of wealthy foundations. In fact, some of those foundations, like those employing BLM founders Garza and Tometi, receive money directly. Others, like Colors DPN, are financed by organizations designed specifically to underwrite the activities of others. Amounts, well, NDWA, where Garza heads, 2013 revenues were $5.5 million. You have to understand, foundations like the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, the Soros Open Society Institute, they fund these organizations. And I will say this, it's my understanding that, well, based on my research, I do believe that some of the funding has gone through the Clinton Foundation as well. Remember Van Jones? I mentioned Van Jones earlier. United Way partnered with A&E and iHeartMedia to create a Shining Light Advisors. How many people know iHeartMedia? How many people know, of course, um, United Way? Everyone knows United Way and A&E, the, the network television, television network. They created Shining Light Advisors, a committee nationally known experts and leaders in racial and social justice to oversee grant disbursements. Now, these advisors... Can you guess who one of the advisors was or is? Van Jones. <laughs> Never goes away, does he? All of these people have some degree of association with Obama. You know, Black Lives Matter, their mission includes just a whole host of favored radical left causes. Many poverty elimination programs many pro illegal immigrant illegal alien 
and gay rights causes. Highlighting FRSO's orientation towards gay blacks, it describes how, quote, black, queer, and trans folks bear a unique burden from a heteropatriarchal society that disposes, that disposes of us like garbage and simultaneously fetishizes, and I, didn't, I can't believe that they made a verb out of that, us, and profits off of us. And that, of course, is state violence. Folks, it's a wide network of affiliates and partner organizations. CPUSA, ACORN, they allow Black Lives Matter, of course, to to use their platforms. Money is shared. The entirety, the Marxist agenda, is the goal in the takedown of the United States. I could go into the money, money, money. It's just, it's crazy. It's a, it's a huge amount of money that's being influxed into these organizations. You know, I'm just going to end in the BLM section with this. Obama's favorite Harvard professor, Derek Bell, he created something called critical race theory. And if you know anything about Bell, if you know anything about this critical race theory, this uses Lenin. Yes, that Lenin. Not John Lennon, but Vladimir Lenin. His strategy as applied to race. Critical race theory contends that America is permanently racist to its core. And that consequently the nation's legal structures are, by, defini- by definition, racist and invalid. Therefore, members of oppressed racial groups are entitled, in fact, obligated to determine for themselves which laws they're going to follow, which laws have merit, which traditions have merit, and which ones are worth observing. And again, I could go on, but folks, you get the idea. And I had mentioned before about the combination or about the the, the tie-in between Black Lives Matter and, of course, Islam. Folks, Islam just issued a declaration of war on American police officers. I'm not sure how many saw this. This was reported, uh, uh, this was reported, I believe, today. In the wake of the tragedy last week that left five police officers, uh, Dallas police officers dead, the truth has come to light. This act of horrific murder was not merely an isolated event by a lone gunman, but rather a concerted effort put forth by domestic Islamic terrorists. One of their primary snipers, and of course mentions Micah X. Johnson, is also known as Fahid Hassan. How many have you heard this before? I didn't. He's a devout Muslim, or was a devout Muslim and follower of Islam. He attended a Nation of Islam mosque in South Dallas, Texas, and was a member of the new Black Panther Party. You see how this is coming together now? The new Black Panthers, the Muslims coming together. 
in normal times, and of course you've got the Nation of Islam, which is an Islamic, or Nation of Islam, which is are black Muslims. But ordinarily, you wouldn't see this th- this friendship take place all at the same time. But you know, he, this man, this sniper, attended the Nation of Islam mosque in South Dallas and was a member of the new Black Panther Party and organization of black Muslim Americans that advocate for violence in order to achieve their goal of an American free of whites and under the control of of a black caliph. Among their racist ideologies is the infamous hate preacher and devout Muslim leader of the Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan. Now, he released a video on Twitter just hours before a Muslim sniper slash terrorist followed his lead. Now, there's a there's a video out there. I'm not going to play it right now, or I'm not going to have Eric play it. The Black Lives Matters BLM movement is deeply rooted in the Islamic network of terrorist front groups in America. Connections to CARE, which is the Council on American-Islamic Relations, Muslim American Society, and the Islamic Circle of North America, among others, are well documented. See, there we, there we go. Now we've got the Islamic cause teaming up with Black Lives Matter, teaming up with the various other groups, while the liberal mainstream media and the leftist agenda-driven administration in America, they're undoubtedly going to search for, for, for foes to blame, for example, for this violent ambush on the police. Well, you know, folks, you know the truth. To me, it's interesting that people will seek to blame guns. Some will blame the Jews or some other idiotic reason for these, for, for this incident. But we know the truth. The true culprit is, in fact, exactly what it is. You know, it's interesting when the shots started ringing out. The protesters of the police began calling the same police that they were protesting against. And yes, the police responded. Just as they always do. Not to save themselves, but to save, but to save the, the people around them. So one would hope that we recognize this for what it is. That all of our police officers remember that yeah you've got a duty to protect and serve but you've got another duty and that 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 other duty is to go home to your family every night your children deserve their their father or perhaps their mother don't let political correctness or fear of some agenda-driven policy or procedure come between you and your duty. 
do what you need to do without hesitation. But isn't this interesting? How many people are talking about this this mix, this strange mix of, of groups who are pushing for the same uh, pushing for the same agenda or pushing the same agendas? I don't know. By the way, a couple of other disturbing events. ISIS reportedly, well, they're using drones with explosives in addition to spy cameras, both overseas as well as here domestically. The Pentagon has said that ISIS fighters have been posing a growing threat to the U.S. and Iraqi forces. Now, this, of course, over there, by using small commercial drones to carry IEDs or surveillance cameras. Now, it's interesting because we created this technology and they're exploiting it. How many people find it interesting, just curious, that the sniper, the one that was killed, was actually killed by a robot? In other words, a non-flying drone, an armed drone. I, I, I will say this. I have said this in the past that we have armed drones and we will use them against American citizens on American soil. I count this as a win. But now ISIS has got them as well and Muslims have them as well. I think it's rather interesting. There, and I don't know how many people have been following this too, but uh, and, and this is not hype and this can't be overstated numerous cases of nuclear smuggling are causing concern folks there's heightened concern about Islamic terrorists in Turkey and in Georgia and other countries three incidents in the last six months involving the attempted smuggling of radioactive materials you to 235 and 238 cesium-137 they they're out there materials are being stolen although in small quantities but these small quantities have huge potential consequences if ever used with ill intent uranium-235 for example it's a fissile isotope used in nuclear reactors and atomic bombs and 238 although it's not a fissile material it's a major ingredient in nuclear weapons. And of course, cesium-137, that can, that can be used to make a uh, nuclear dirt, dirty bomb. There's, there's, right now, did you know this, that the country of Georgia is holding two dozen, that's 24 individuals, who have either been convicted or have been charged with smuggling radioactive materials? Eighteen are Georgia's Georgian citizens, five are Armenian, and one is Russian. There's a lot of, uh, there are many, many occasions of nuclear materials gone missing, mostly overseas. But there are reports here that some uh, cesium-137 in particular is missing as well. And, of course, I'm sure many people saw this. Bin Laden's son threatens revenge for 
his father's association or assassination. <laughs> it's all right. I, I, I can't talk. The son of bin Laden threatened revenge against the United States for assassinating his father. Well, what did you expect? I mean, I, I certainly would expect that Hamza bin Laden said, "They're going to look. I'm going to continue our fight against the United States and its allies." There was a 21-minute speech release called "We Are All Osama," and my concern here when I when I looked through the speech. The, the text of the transcript of the speech, 21-minute speech. The Site Institute Intelligence Group published this. I still see American interests doing business with the bin Laden group. How is that even possible? I guess money talks, don't we? Doesn't it? So follow the money. Have you heard anything more, folks, about Obama and uh, his agenda over the next 192 days to push forth whatever possible executive actions, orders, fiats, whatever, to take away our legal rights to own guns, to do away with the Second Amendment? Information, well... Hillary Rodham Clinton will, in fact, do away with the Second Amendment, make that nothing but a memory. But Obama is doing what he can right now. In, in fact, legal guns, says Obama, they're driving a wedge between cops and communities. In fact, Obama had said now, this is a couple of days ago now, that legal ownership of guns is creating tensions between police officers and communities. And he said he's going to be calling for tighter gun laws in the United States. But what he's doing is also urging every one of his governors, people who can relate to him, to do the same on a state level. Keep your eyes on out for orders and, and movements with respect to guns and ammunition. We've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of information or a lot of research on uh, on Obama's last well, the, his remaining 192 days, and one of the things that we are we are seeing individually and collectively is Obama is ratcheting up not just the he's not just exploiting for example the uh, the racial divide he's not just exploiting the the social divide but he's tearing down many of our fundamentalist fundamental rights now we knew he was doing that since day one but if you look at the rate the acceleration with what he's doing right now well you can see 
that he's on a mission. Before he leaves office, he wants a lot of changes made. And I found this pretty interesting. I got this off of a um, intelligence mailing list. Now, I'm sure many people have heard of this, heard of these people, heard of the uh, the sources. A terror expert reveals the apocalyptic meaning behind ISIS, the real name ISIS, I-S-I-S. Now, we've talked about this on our program before, and you've seen the pictures of, of the black flags with the white writing, the military parades being being conducted on the streets of Syria and the streets of all across the Middle East. The fighters holding the parades and the flags, and they've been celebrating their declaration of an Islamic caliphate after the group captured territory in Iraq. The Islamic State and Al-Qaeda offshoot previously known as Islamic State in Iraq and the Levant posted pictures this past weekend of their flags, of their people in cars, people firing guns from cars as they paraded all across the Middle East. Well, according to a renowned counterterrorism expert named Sebastian Gorka, the Islamic State is not shy about its intentions of trying to usher in the end of the world with a series of battle in one final jihad. In fact, the jihadi's apocalyptic aim can be seen just by analyzing the terrorist group name, and we've done this before. Sebastian Gorka is the author of the New York Times bestseller Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War. He's the, uh, in fact, he he holds uh, a position of uh, military theory at the Marine Corps University. He talked this past weekend at a conference hosted by the International Christian Concern and addressed the threat of ISIS. And addressed it in a manner which many people have not heard. He said, uh, Well, part of what he said. So, so what do these guy, guys call themselves? Be, before they declared the caliphate, their actual name, which is where the Arabic uh, acronym Daesh comes from, was the Islamic State of Iraq and Al-Sham. Gorka said that it is the Al-Sham part of the name that, ha- that holds the most significance, meaning, and he said during this during his speech, he said, just please bear with me, be, because... That last word, al-sham, is very important. Most people, even in the intelligence community, don't understand what it means. Now, according to Sebastian Gorka, he said that the al-sham refers to a geographical area of the world where the land rises from the sea. But in particular, it refers to greater Syria and the area formerly known as the Levant. But he said, hold off a minute, because El-Sham has a greater, deeper theological meaning within the eschatology of Islam. 
like every religion, Islam has an eschatology. It has a story of the end times, just as we in Christianity have the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel. We have Christian eschatology, the talks of a final period of tribulation, judgment day, series of battles. We have this. Well, Islam has the same. As as you know here, you've heard our guests talk about this. And it's interesting because Islam, as in Christianity, everyone is going to be resurrected and judged in the end. But in, in, in Islam, they'll be judged by Allah. But prior to that judgment, there will be a series of battles in Al-Sham, uh, or Al-Sham, whatever. The, this particular, this hinge moment jihad, the last jihad, is going to take place in that territory. And it's interesting, when you look at this area, Al-Sham, Al-Sham, the area depicted by Islamic eschatologists as being the final battle is the same area depicted by people like Steve Quayle and Pastor Langford and even people like Bill Salas talking about the Confederate, uh, Confederacy of Islamic Nations and, and, and others. We're all on the same page with this. But see, the meaning of ISIS, the when people understand the eschatology that is central to the name ISIS, then it becomes a lot easier to understand how this ragtag, at one point ragtag group of, of terrorists, have been so successful in recruiting foreign nationals to come in and fight because they believe they are fighting the final battle. And it's critical to understand how powerful that message is because when ISIS gets on the Internet or uses social media, they say, we are the Islamic State of Al-Sham. The message they're sending, whether it's some immigrant or, or some... Muslim in, in Los Angeles or in Iraq. It's that if you want to engage in the final battle, if you want salvation, we are at that moment. We are at that moment in time. In fact, come to the site of the final jihad. If you don't come now, you're going to miss guaranteed uh, salvation. That's the recruiting tool used, being used by ISIS to bring members over into Syria, over into that area. So ISIS to the Muslims and in, in Islamic eschatology has a, is a very important with respect to the name. Very important. The... Um, this is one thing Joe Farah had written back, uh, I think it was Sunday. He had written a column about the uh, uh, 
he, he writes this. He said, I had written a column for today about the shocking incidents last week in which cops in Baton Rouge and uh, near St. Paul, Minnesota, killed two black men, seemingly without any rational justification. There was this disturbing video of one incident in the aftermath of another. And I've seen both videos. Uh, he writes, like most Americans, I was appalled at what I saw. And again, we talked about this. Uh, police have a hard job to do. We are not defending those who are taking their job and, and, and doing something far, far worse than than what you know what uh, what they are to do. Then he writes, and then came Dallas and the attack on police officers, five of whom were killed. Barack Obama said there is no excuse or justification for the sniper attack. He said, uh, I think he was wrong about that. Obama himself provided plenty of excuses beyond his inclination to inflame racial strife and deter racial reconciliation. He has done everything a president of the United States could do to bring such a tragedy with potentially more on the way. Think about it, he writes. And he goes in to state what he knows about the shooter, Johnson, the 25-year-old army reservist and perpetrator of the massacre. He was a black nationalist who showed affinity for the Nation of Islam, writes Joe Farah. Johnson liked pages related to Elijah Muhammad, the Nation of Islam founder, as well as Facebook pages of the Black Riders Liberation Party, the New Black Panthers Party, and many other groups. Johnson had told negotiators during a standoff before he was killed that he wanted to kill white people. He didn't say, I want to kill cops. He I want to kill white people, especially white police officers. Don't forget, last summer, World Net Daily reported Nation of Islam leader Louis Farragon urged a packed audience, this at Mount Zion Baptist Church in Miami, to kill white people. Did that get coverage? Minimal coverage. Farrakhan is just a, an extreme hater. He's an anti-Semite. He said that violent retaliation is the only way for American blacks to rise up and overthrow their white oppressors. Now, if you think that tonight's broadcast or this broadcast is just zeroing in on black versus white, no, it's much bigger than that. As I mentioned, BLM is merely the mechanism that kind of it's like an umbrella or a big scoop that that comes along and grabs a whole bunch of disparate, seemingly disparate groups. Johnson had told the negotiators, you know, before he was killed, and we all heard this, the end is near, suggesting he, that he shares an apocalyptic view of the end of the world. And, and with Farrakhan, by the way, who told during an interview last year, I think it was, that he represents the Messiah that has come to end the civilization. A lot of people talking about the end of the world. Good, bad, and indifferent. Have you noticed that Obama has never used and will not use the word Islamic terrorism? We talked talk about that. He didn't refer to the attack in Dallas as terrorism. As a matter of fact, I believe he had just mentioned today in one of the... Uh, uh, and, I, and I saw this, and I'm not sure where I saw this, but Obama has is, is having a hard time coming to terms with officials uh, uh, providing a motive 
for the shooting in Dallas. Boy, I'll tell you, if you can't find a motive for that shooting, given all the facts, you got some troubles indeed. We're also looking at the revision of history in another realm, in another area. This Obama regime has defended UN-funded anti-Israeli textbooks for Palestinians. Your tax dollars, folks, provide nearly $400 million a year to a United Nations program that critics say send anti-Semitic, anti-Israel textbooks to schools for Palestinian refugees. So, uh, they, they list a lot of examples here, but elementary school textbook calls the 1948 establishment of Israel a disaster, and a high school text tells of the end of days when Muslim fights Muslims Muslims fight the Jews. Among other examples, in a report from the Center for Near East Policy, so your tax dollars, to the tune of nearly 400 million dollars a year, are going to pay for these textbooks. Don't forget, Common Core is part of this as well. But I thought you, I thought you would like to hear that, just to, just to hear how insane this is. And as we get to the, close to the top of the hour, um, I, I do want to draw your attention back to uh, Dallas and, and uh, Obama. The Daily Wire had published today that Obama is preparing to speak in Dallas. Police are blaming him for the attack. Now, remember not long after de Blasio, New York Mayor de Blasio, remember he, how he trashed law enforcement back in 2014? What, days, within a week after that, two New York City police officers were murdered by a man who wanted to put wings on pigs. That's right, wings on pigs. The, the response from the police, thousands of officers literally turned their backs on the mayor at the officer's funeral. Do you remember that, pictures of that? The officers turning their backs on de Blasio. Now the question at this point is, what kind of treatment is Obama going to get when he arrives in Dallas tomorrow? If statements from law enforcement, including a leader in of one of the police unions there, in fact, this this one police union represents... 240,000 officers nationwide if their reaction is any indication Obama might want to stay home for this one or at least plan for the worst it was interesting because it was last Thursday that Obama gave a speech in which he uh, provided a lot of misleading statistics let me saw this about law enforcement treatments law enforcement's treatment of minorities he actually condemned our own justice system. He said it was being, it was plagued by systemic racism. And then hours later, you had Dallas. Now, within 24 hours, several other apparent assassination attempts on police officers took place over racial grievances, at least perceived, in other states. Many people haven't heard about that either. Obama has tried to downplay 
or attempted to downplay the anti-cop, anti-white motives of the Dallas killer. Instead, what he's trying to do is push his gun control and social justice policing agendas as the solution to the war on, on police. Now, this has not gone over well with many of the police officers. If you watched any of the network television news broadcasts this past weekend, I had them on tape, you're going to see that there's a great pushback by our police, which is good, against Obama. But one of the things, again, that we're not seeing is this amalgamation, is this combining of groups, of these various groups, whether whether it's the, again, whether it's the pro-homosexual LGBT groups, the anti-capitalism, anti-American groups, pro-Marxist groups, Muslim groups, they're all getting together, despite their obvious problems with each other. They're all getting together and hitting America all at one time. And uh, I just got an email from a uh, from a source saying that their department, members of their department are, are on high alert. I'm not going to give out the department. Uh, just to say that it's a, it's a, uh, I'll just say it's, a, it's on the West Coast in the Los Angeles area from threats received stating that uh, credible threats have been received against officers of this department and other departments. The threat came by telecommunication, by, by apparently by telephone, and that police officers there, especially white police officers, are in fact taking measures and taking the threat seriously. Folks, more of this is going to happen. More of this is going to take place. And again, it's being fomented at the highest levels of our government. It's Obama. We told you about this. Remember my source saying it's about to get ugly? Obama wants to start a civil war, wants to start a race war? People laugh. People said, oh, you're just hearing voices in your head. It's here now, folks. And it's only going to get worse. You're listening to the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Doug Hagman sitting in for Joe Hagman, half of the Hagmans anyway. Tomorrow night, Steve Quayle and Timothy Alberino. You're not going to want to miss that show. Stay right where you're at. This is the Global Star Radio Network. City, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, 
Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. back folks to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman report seems like my voice gets better every hour that's a good thing though right um well thank you for hanging with me all three hours I'm solo tonight in fact I'm going to be solo tomorrow night as well when we have uh, Timothy Alberino and Steve Quayle on watch hagmanreport.com I'm going to be putting up the trailer for their new video their new DVD oh my goodness I've seen the two hour and 27 minute two and a half hour video um which they have done and it is, it's incredible. In fact, I'm going to be writing about it as well. Um, that's very important tomorrow night, very important, because a lot of what we're seeing happening today in history, or, or today with, re, with regard to the findings, it's verifying biblical history, but it's also um, going back to the Roman Catholic Church and, and how they, how the Vatican, how the Vatican has manipulated history and taken over history and, and they've got some of the most incredible they're guarding some of the most incredible secrets of the world it's a very interesting film I mean it, the the first video put out by Gen 6 Productions Timothy Alvarez was good this is and Steve Quill was good this is 150 times better if that's even possible on the screen to my right, I've got Saul Alinsky book, Rules for Radicals. Folks, have you read this book? This is a book dedicated to Satan. Going over some important notes here. Obama has almost finished the job outlined in this book. Taking some notes. You know, most Americans, Christians and conservatives included, are asleep at the switch. We've determined that. This renegade in chief is not simply going out there, you know, playing 18 holes, coming back, watching Sports Center. While letting ISIS run and grow rampant. That's not accidental. That's by design. Obama has, I believe, when Obama was selected and placed in office, that was one of the books to be used as an instruction manual. And I think he's followed it to AT. I think he's. I think he has. Um, I think he has done an incredibly well job, and that's not a, a compliment. Right under the, the 
right under our noses, right under the nose of the American public. And the American public seems eager and willing to play ignorant, to play dumb, and to play right along. Obama hasn't done it alone. Look, I, I went over BLM, dissected BLM and FSRO. I, I dissected those to show you the communist origins, identifying the people, the funding. That was not just idle talk. Now, let's take a larger view and look at what Obama has done using this book as an instruction manual. Obama has effectively socialized America, communized America, well, is in the process thereof, and intends to hand off the mantle of leadership to Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton, to finish us off. While having the participation of the corporate-captured, controlled, Illuminati-controlled mass media, that's more an arm of the progressive left than a mere mechanism of dissemination of the news. The Obama-Alinsky connection is not new. You know about it. It's always been there. You might say, Doug, you're preaching to the choir. But as with so many issues from his past, it's been largely ignored. Or, yeah, I know about it, so what? But but let's take a look, because when when I started going through some of the some of the uh, uh, points in this book, and comparing it with Obama's current and most recent objectives and 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 what he's done. It's astounding. The damage inflicted by Obama and his associates is, I would say, perhaps irreversible to this country. Perhaps. Which is why, even if, let's just say it is reversible, and I hope it is, much of it is, that's why the 2016 this election cycle is so important for the for the fate of America. Now we know that change has got to come from the bottom down, not the top or the bottom up, not the top down. We know that. But look what happens when you throw somebody like Obama into office. Look what happens. First of all, you you know who Saul Alinsky was, correct? Do you know what the purpose of his book, Rules for Radicals, was? Well, he identified a a set, a very specific set, I might add, of rules that ordinary citizens could follow and tactics that ordinary citizens could employ as a means of gaining public power. And that's it. He created a blueprint for revolution under the banner of social change. What did Obama do? Fundamental change, social change. 
there it is. Do you know two of uh, Saul Alinsky, two of his most notable modern-day disciples? You know who they are, right? One, of course, is Obama. Well, who's the other one? Clinton, Hillary, Rodham, Clinton. Well, what are some of the rules? And what is, or what has Barack Hussein Obama, Barry Satoro done in order to achieve some of the objectives listed in this book? Anything, by the way, that, that Obama may have missed, I am certain that Clinton will do to finish the job. I lost my notes here. Pretty, there we go. Now we're back up again. All right. That's kind of scary when you're sitting here thinking, man, I got nothing here. All right. Um, now I just have to go down to where I was, right? Just one more election. I, I'll just add this. I believe one more election will decide our fate. Do we buy more time? You know, spirit, uh, our spiritual problems are not going to be solved by, by, by political solutions, or there are no political solutions to spiritual problems. But, but can one election perhaps decide our fate? Well, look what Obama has done in the nearly eight years he's been in office. There are eight levels of control that must be obtained before you are able to create a socialist-slash-communist state. Now, the first, the first is the most important. I'll just say that. And of the eight, Obama has accomplished five. Or five are already accomplished. Three have yet to be. The last three, almost there. Number one, health care. You've got to control health care. And once you control health care, you control the people. I happen to know this uh, for a fact that uh, there are things taking place in healthcare right now. After speaking with uh, somebody this within the last week, who said that there, yeah, we're going to have a universal payer system. It's going to be full full blown socialist healthcare, and it's going to be done right in front of the or uh, with the uh, with the approval of a Republican president and Congress. But it's the big thing is you control the health care of a country in order to fully communize and socialize it. Done. Check. Number two, poverty. You've got to increase the poverty level as high as possible. You know, poor people are easier to control, and they're not going to fight back if you're providing anything or everything, I should say, to them for free to live. Hasn't that been done? And it's not just Obama, but Obama really accelerated the whole process. But look back into FDR. Go back to FDR, the days of FDR. What did FDR do? Number three, debt. Increase the national debt to levels that are completely unsustainable. That way you're able to increase taxes. Which, by the way, increases more poverty. 
It's taxes, poverty. Leads to more taxes, greater poverty. Check, right? Gun control. Number four is gun control. Remove the ability to defend people from their government. That way, you're able to create a police state. Total local control. Almost there, folks. Not quite there yet, but almost there. Did you notice how Obama, in talking about Dallas, in talking about other issues, is calling for the federalization of all of our police forces? Do you think that's for the good of the communities? No. That's part. When you hear that, when you hear any talk of that, think, folks, think of this book, Rules for Radicals. Number five, take control, welfare, take control over every aspect of people's lives. you got to take control over the food. We talked about that. Over livestock, over housing and income. Pretty much that's done, folks. Number six is education. Take control over what people read and what they listen to. Take control over what children learn in school. Well, that's pretty much done through Common Core, and we see revisionist history. The history books, as I mentioned before, notice how $400 million is being given to change history books and books in general, but history in particular, especially about Israel. Number seven, religion. Remove all faith in God from the government and from the schools. Done. Check. Well, almost there. I shouldn't say it's done. Almost there. And number eight. this This is what much of the program has been about tonight. Class and racial warfare. Divide people into the wealthy against the poor the black against the, the the white, the minorities against the majority. Racial division. The haves versus the have-nots. Whatever you can do, cause chaos at every possible turn. This will cause more discontent. And it's going to be a lot easier to tax the wealthy with the full support of the voting poor. Think about that right from Alinsky's playbook. Tax the wealthy with the full support of the voting poor. The bases are pretty much covered on all this. Now, I'm going to go back here. I'm not sure if I... um, in In my research of this, you just got the you just got the, the, the eight points. Saul Alinsky, of course, is known as the father of community organizing. There were there are actually twelve rules. I gave you eight, six. Um, there are six that are particularly instructive when trying to figure out why Obama speaks, acts, and does things the way he does. Let me take this at a different angle here. 
because many people will ascribe incompetence to Obama when in fact it's design. And, and remember folks, this is all about the making America ripe for communist takeover and falling to communism and socialism in order that we may become part of the new world order, the one world system of governance, because being strong in the family, being strong in our monetary system, being strong in our values, spiritually, God-fearing people, we won't tolerate a one world government. But according to Saul Alinsky, the father of community organizing, he writes that politics is all about power relations. But to advance one's power, one must couch one's positions in the language of morality. Did you hear what I said? Community organizers are political realists who see the world as it is, an arena of of power politics moved primarily by perceived immediate self-interest, for example, where morality is... rhetorical rationale for expedient action and self-interest. In other words, morality, not so much. Morality is what you make it. It's not clear-cut. It's not black and white. There's a lot of gray here. And you can actually exploit that. The second rule here is that there's only three kinds of people in the world, the rich and powerful oppressors, the poor and disenfranchised oppressed, and then, of course, the middle class, whose apathy perpetuates the status quo. This explains why there is such this acquiescence of the middle class and this resignation that, hey, we just have to go with the flow. We can't change anything. And this is the the tie-in to the Tavistock Institute. The world as it is, is rather simple. From this perspective, the world consists of but three kinds of people, as I, as I mentioned. The haves, the have-nots, and the, well, have just a little. <laughs> but but want more. The, the uh, haves possessing, as they do, all of the power, money, food, security, and luxury, they resist the changes necessary to relieve the have-nots of the poverty. Uh, they're rotten housing and such. And, and even from the despair in which they suffer. suffer. Now, the have-a-littles, that, that's kind of where a lot of us fit in. What more? Um, those people who want a little bit more, too, you know, have a little, want more. Now, they comprise what we call the middle class. And Alinsky, in his book, believed that this group is the genesis of creativity. He also claims that it supplies the world with with its do-nothings. The do-nothings are those who profess a commitment to social change for ideals of justice, equality, and opportunity, and, but, but then abstain from and discourage its effective action for change. So, in other words... Yeah, we should do it, probably should, but don't. That being so, they're as resistant to the change as they have a lot. 
Now, I'm not going to go through all of these, but you get the idea. What we're seeing here is Obama being perfectly, perfectly, or him following this to a T. Rules for radicals. In case the first hour, again, talking about the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, the new Black Panther Party leader, I'm not sure how many of you saw this, they're calling for blacks to migrate to five, count them, five southern states to form a country within a country. And people might blow this off and say, oh, this is just BS and, you know, this is all rhetoric that the head of the so head of the new Black Panther Party, you know, they're just nuts. Well, a lot of people are taking this seriously. I don't know how many people listen to Aaron Klein, the investigative radio. It's out of New York City, AM 970. And News Talk 990 in Philadelphia, by the way. The head of the new Black Panthers was on Aaron Klein's radio show. And they and he said, "Look, we need people. We need the the, the uh, blacks to, to to migrate to five five states: Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, Mississippi, and Louisiana." He said that we just need to start migrating back to those states and take control of economics, the economics in those states. If black people move in, most definitely white people will move out. So it's not a hard process for us to have our own country within a country. Now that's a pretty racist thing to say. But he said it. And it should be noted that, that this founder, or this uh, head of the New Black Panthers, is also the co-founder of the Huey P. Newton uh, Gun Club. If you, if you understand the, the politics of the 60s, Huey, Huey Newton uh, was the founder of the Black Panther Party, the original Black Panther Party. According to news reports, Dallas Shooter uh, uh, Johnson liked the Huey Newton Gun Club uh, page and uh, promoted it as well on, on Facebook and other social media. But what this, what what these what these groups are saying is property ownership. We are going to conquer America through property ownership, land ownership. The end game is having their own government within a nation. Do you notice how this parallels with and is consistent with the alien invasion? The people coming in here from overseas saying we are not going to assimilate, we are going to start our own, basically our own country within a country? Well, this is what's taking place. Concurrent and parallel courses of action. What we're saying right now, according to this this head of the uh, a new Black Panther Party, is that we want to control the economics in our community. We want to control the, the black dollars. Remember Josh Tully saying that, that in Muslim communities, they control where the money is spent. As a matter of fact, a Muslim dollar, a dollar spent by a Muslim, is spent with other Muslims 16 times before it ever leaves their community. Black Panther Party. New Black Panther Party ripping a page from the Muslim playbook. Again, have you? If you learn nothing else or take nothing else away from tonight, the same 
playbook. It's all communism, Leninism, Marxism related, Maoism, all the isms, Islamism, Black Pantherism. They're all reading from the same playbook. And at the head of this, the coach of this is Barack Hussein Obama, Barry Satoro. Folks, we are in, we are in some very dangerous waters right now. Extremely dangerous waters as we speak. You know, I I found this and I thought this was worthy of comment. This is from yesterday. And my question to you folks after you hear this is how many people can get away with this? A professor calls for mass shooting at the NRA's headquarters. Make sure that there are no survivors. An anti-gun professor at the Southern State Community College in Ohio, this guy's name, James Pierce, posted some violent words on his Facebook page last month. And he called, this is last month now, this is in June when he posted this. He called for a mass shooting at the NRA's headquarters in Fairfax, Virginia, and, and said, look, we got to make sure that there are no survivors. I've got a copy of the Facebook. Uh, I've I got no way to put it up right now. He writes this. Look, there's only one solution. A bunch of us anti-gun types are going to have to arm ourselves. We're going to have to storm the NRA headquarters in Fairfax, Virginia, and make sure there are no survivors. This action might also require coordinated hits at remote sites like Washington lobbyists. Then and only then will we see some legislative action on assault weapons. Have a nice day with a smiley face. As an aside, I get I get I get some really interesting emails and really um, some not so nice emails, and it cracks me up. I mean, it cracks me up when I, when I'm called every name in the book. <laughs> the signature is your friend, comma, whoever, or have a great day with the smiley face. It's like really. But the director for public relations at SCC or SSCC, Chris Cross, yeah, like that's a real name, right? No, it, it is. Uh, said that it was their policy not to comment on individual personal matters, including posts like this. Asked whether Professor Pierce would continue to teach there. Cross noted that a criminal prosecution could affect the professor's employment but barring that not so much everything's cool and I read you what Pierce posted right this particular professor at uh, I should say one professor at at a uh, university conservative told a politically incorrect joke and got fired without explanation yet this uh this uh, this idiot uh, James Pierce on Facebook says you know we had a, we had to wipe out everyone in NRA 
make sure there are no survivors, and only then will we see action. And he and he's allowed. He's allowed. It's okay. We're okay. He's allowed to to um. He's allowed to teach. Remember, I talked earlier in the first hour about about uh, Dallas and about Black Lives Matter and about how uh, how all these groups are working together. Well, an official admission from the pro jihad group, cloaking itself as a Muslim cause organization, we'll just call it the Council on American Islamic Relations, has written this. Black Lives Matter is our matter. Black Lives Matter is our campaign. In other words, they're taking up the mantle of Black Lives Matter under the pretext of being a minority in a country that oppresses minorities, meaning both blacks and Muslims. There you have it. This is how things go. This is how, I mean, this is what we're seeing right now. One thing we're working on, and I'm, I'm uh, speaking at Dallas, and I'm uh, getting some information on the number of shooters in Dallas. I know that the official story, one guy, one shooter, second floor, did a lot of damage. I got that. No, there was, according to the information I have, there was more than that, more than one, obviously. And um, I do suspect that to be the case. Folks, I don't know. Are you thinking that as well? One more thing here. As we look at the alien immigration here into this country, the doors, the barn doors, the, the fence doors are pushed wide open now, between now and the end of Obama's term. And no one's doing anything to stop this. Paul Ryan, none of the legislators are doing anything to stop this. There was a document leaked, and and this appeared in the Washington Post. This is important. There was a document leaked that said 2,000 men assaulted 1,200 German women on New Year's Eve. Now, we talked to Ted Brower about this. How many people really understand the ramifications of this? Initially, there was complete silence from officials as rumors spread on social media and as we reported it here well police had nothing to say about the allegation of mass sexual assaults that took place in Cologne and other cities across Germany remember us talking about that it was only days later that officials reported that hundreds of women were victims uh, victims of assault in Cologne Hamburg in other German cities. Now, the numbers that are coming out now, and especially in leaked documents, are staggering, are beyond anything that we saw initially. This is over a half a year ago now. According to one leaked police document, this was published by Germany's newspaper, This was broadcast on German television, but was censored in the West. Authorities 
believe that on New Year's Eve, in, in all, car, all across Germany, more than 1,200 women, women were sexually assaulted in various German cities. 600 alone in Cologne. 600 alone in Cologne. 400 in Hamburg. More than 2,000 men were allegedly involved and 120 suspects, about half of them foreign nationals who had only recently arrived in Germany, have been identified. Guess how many have been convicted? Yeah, four. So far. Officials, police, have linked the sexual assaults to the influx of refugees. Really? That's astounding. When you consider that 2,000 assaults, yeah, by, by illegal aliens, yeah, I guess you would have to link that to the influx of refugees. There's, obvi- there's an obvious conver- uh, connection between the emergence of, of, of what happened and the rapid migration or the rapid invasion of 2015. Even some of the politicians on the left are getting it. But again, we are told to say no means no. That's the, that's the line that uh, women are told to say. No means no. Um, the, when I was reading this as well, I was just blown away by the fact that there is a um, a German lawmaker on the left, meaning a German lawmaker on when I left the center, who said this during an interview with the Washington Post that immigration issues and sexual assault cases should never be linked, should not be linked. Because, not because they're not true, but listen to this, okay? But refugees could end up facing double punishment by being deported. Huh? Isn't isn't that the case? Oops, I'm sorry about that. Isn't that the case? Isn't that what we should do? They could face double punishment by being deported it's hard to believe that any lawmaker in in a country in a country where you've got that many assaults would even say something like that wow i'm going to the uh, i'm going to the mailbag here why don't i do that going to hear from some of our, our listeners tonight. This is something we're following, folks. I don't know how many people have seen this. Something we're following. Just heard now, this from, uh, I'm not sure who, oh, from Ron. Just heard that delegates now free to vote for anyone on the first ballot. Meaning, of course, the Republican Convention. Can you believe that? In other words, all delegates unbound, even on the first ballot. How many people have heard that? And is there anyone who could confirm that with any degree of 
authenticity. Apparently, there's going to be a rules change, and the rules change will unbind the delegates who were committed to Trump, and they can vote for anyone on the first ballot. Following that up, heard that. This is like the third time I've heard that. Ron, thanks for that email. We're going to be following that up with vigor. Also, about six different emails about Dallas. And I want to thank you. uh, Thank you so much. Hang on a second. Let me bring this one back up again here. Bob and Maggie, thank you so much about uh, thank you so much for your email. Listen live in Dallas. Listen live. Yeah, I can I can I can talk. They, they listen to the now, now. Bear in mind that one of the two here is a former law enforcement official, very experienced law enforcement official. Having listened to the live feed in Dallas, there was definitely more than one shooter triangulation involved, and it takes more than one for that to take place. And I totally agree. I also received uh, both emails as well as conversationally uh, from my sources who said that not only are we looking at uh, the Islamic component, you're looking at uh, that other components as well, other groups, as I had mentioned earlier about talking about BLM, involved in this as well, involved in uh, in Dallas as well, in Dallas shooting. Daniel Holdings, you know, wrote in and. and stated that his heart is heavy over the spirit of lawlessness that's sweeping the land and sweeping across the the globe. Maybe we should talk about this sometime. Should have uh, Daniel Holdings back. And thank you, David C., writes, uh, generally I don't read emails like this, but uh, David C., thank you so much for your uh, for your kind email. I'm a, he writes, he's a fan of the show. Enjoy the topic and material you provide. Thanks so much for, for that. And then we've got some information. <laughs> I like this guy. Another one to bake your noodle, Doug. <laughs> Talking about ISIS and how that relates to Ishtar and Venus and Aphrodite and so on. They're all the same entity, Semiramis. We, you know, we knew that. We know that. And JD has a, has a um, video out of the same thing. I want to say DVD, and then I want to say digital VD player just to be funny um, also by uh, by the same person who wants to bake my noodle the nation of Islam is a known creation of the Muslim Brotherhood 
Did you know that? The, the Nation of Islam is a known creation of the Muslim Brotherhood. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, if I could just briefly tell a really short story. I was working for a bank on asset recovery and uh, when I was a PI, young PI, very young PI in the business, and ended up uh, buying a one-way ticket to Chicago to repossess a Cadillac from a Nation of Islam compound in Chicago owned by one of the heads who who happened to be named Malik Shabazz, who happens to be the head of Nation of Islam, but I don't think it was the same one, or at least I, don't, I hope not. But I remember taking that car and the police refusing to even uh, provide any protection whatsoever. Basically, they said, you, you own that property, you're, uh, you're pretty much on your own. And writes the same gentleman about baking my noodle, writes this, he writes this, knowing all of this, consider the history of black power icon. It originated as a symbol of rebellion of Ishtar, also known as ISIS. Do you see the, not just the, oh, I don't know, not just the obvious, but look at the deeper esoteric spiritual meanings, the eschatological aspects of what we're seeing take place the sword coming across the land wow it's amazing what we're seeing right now and uh, Will G writes this triple nine officer down call in Dallas a decoy? I was wondering, he writes, I was wondering if it's possible that the shooting in Dallas was a decoy similar to the movie Triple Nine. Folks, I never saw the movie Triple I never even heard of the movie Triple Nine. But possibly a way to commit a major theft or maybe bring you in troops or terrorists while the police were occupied. RB. What does RB stand for? Has anyone figured that out yet? Eric, do you know? RB, you know when he wrote RB on the in blood, allegedly the dead guy Johnson wrote out RB in his blood. What does it say? Yeah, no one knows what it means, what it stands for. A- anyone know? Anyone know what that stands for? You know, that, that's kind of an interesting question. Because first of all, how do we authenticate? How, how do we know that that really happened? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that except to say, okay, let's just assume for a moment that the that the allegations that 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 Johnson, the, the shooter in Dallas, the one that was identified, wrote RB in his blood. Let's just say that that's true. What does that mean? Why would he take the time to do that? Theories are welcome. Studio at Hagman and Hagman.com. I don't know what it means. The, the Will G says, could it mean Ron Brown? I, I doubt if the guy knew who Ron Brown is. 
that's just my view, was, that is. But there you have it. I mean, RB. How many people, you know, anyone want to take a, a, want to venture a guess as to what it means? And, and by the way, we're going to be doing a show as well on the murder of Vince Foster. I just want to make it clear to everyone that I, I truly believe that Vince Foster was murdered. I did visit Fort Marcy Park. I've got pictures of me at Fort Marcy Park. This right not too long after it happened. And, uh, um, boy, I'll tell you, there's so much wrong with that. But I do believe that uh, the investigation and the Bark Police investigation, and I've talked to people since then, I, I do believe that he was murdered. And I do believe he was murdered not in Fort Marcy Park or at Fort Marcy Park, but elsewhere and deposited at Fort Marcy Park. But wow, what a mess that is. So we're going to be doing a show on Vince Foster. The reason, of course, Foster, being one of the highest level uh, White House individuals to die in office since JFK, people need to know the truth. And please understand this. When I say this, understand this. When I talk about Vince Foster and talk about issues with Hillary Clinton, about Hillary Clinton, there are writers, journalists, authors who, just a few of them, who who claim to be exposing the Clinton misdeeds when, in fact, they're doing anything but. They're redirecting the redirecting the information. So keep that in mind. Not everything is what it appears to be. I just really want people to know that. Um, notice too and and I was asked to bring this up as well notice that um, people are or notice the 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 Catholic Church in particular the Vatican as well as many of the other denominations are going soft on morality sins of morality including homosexuality and such yes of course we know that but soon we will find that uh, that all of the moral issues, whether it be sodomy, whether it be homosexual marriage, whether it be, regardless of what the issue is, will become hate speech. And as Coach Day was here Friday, and if you didn't catch that show Friday, my goodness, what a fantastic show. I thought it was great. In-studio guest, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, one of the things he, he says is that truth becomes hate speech to those who hate the truth alright and to close out tonight just just going back to going back to uh, last week DC Clothesline had reported that hacked messages of Black Lives Matter leader reveal Obama's, Obama's plan for summer basically this appeared again at DC Clothesline, and given the fact that I had talked about the um, the BLM and, and what it stood for, and the, the participants of the BLM, and how it relates to the uh, Nation of Islam and, and Muslims and, and everything, listen to this: the U.S. Attorney General's Office, Loretta Lynch in particular, is coordinating with Democratic activists. 
to disrupt the upcoming Republican and Democratic National Conventions so that the martial law will be declared. Now, this is something we had talked about before. D.C. clothesline reported on it. Now, this is coming back again, coming around again after the Dallas shootings. Remember us talking about this, that it was back on June 10th. Someone hacked into the Twitter account of Black Lives Matter leader and former Baltimore mayoral candidate DeRay McKesson. Remember we talked about that? And McKesson later confirmed the, the hack to the Baltimore Sun. Then the next day, uh, someone on Twitter sent a message. Sent a message. It was a private message of this McKesson and another BM, uh, BLM leader, in which the two discussed talking with the AG with the, with Lynch about plans to bring in martial law by causing chaos at the upcoming conventions. Remember, we already talked about this. Now, post um, post Dallas we are seeing other things come into play as well. We are seeing other other social networking trends and messages pop up here, claiming to be back from that hacked account that seemed to, me, seemed to make a little bit more sense, which would suggest, of course, some foreknowledge of what happened in Dallas. I'm not going to go through the entire thing. I had shown you last week the tweeter, uh, tweeters, the uh, tweets um, that I held up. Um, but what appears to be taking place is they're using both internal and external assets, meaning people inside the convention center itself. And this is something we didn't have before. Somehow, people getting into the convention center and causing major disruptions as well as people outside the convention center of both the Republican and Democratic conventions to cause situations to shut down the conventions or to postpone them and to create a situation where the government would have to step in and either send in National Guard troops or whatever, but saying that they are going to make the Chicago conventions back in 1968. Remember the Chicago 7 look like a day, at the, a day at the beach. And interestingly enough, they're talking about Obama staying in for a third term. Yes, I understand the, the, the lunacy about that. But saying that uh, there are groups that would, that would go out and uh, not only finance the protests, finance the actual deeds inside and outside the conventions, but also do some things to support the lawmakers in the event of an emergency to support Marshall or to support a third term of Obama martial law changing the rules now again this is just what we're seeing right now so I guess what, what I'm what I'm saying is this we saw the hack we talked about the hack prior to Dallas Dallas happened now we're seeing more 
about things taking place at both conventions, Democratic and Republican conventions, to the extent that martial law could be declared, or perhaps even a, a, a more accurate assessment, this according to Gene Tatum, emergency police powers declared, travel restrictions made all across the United States. And, and to think about, think about it, think of it this way. The United States is too big of an area, generally speaking, to enforce martial law, travel restrictions all across the country. But if you take a few few choice areas, you take the northeast, you take the southwest, you take the west coast and the east coast and the southeast, it can be done. Just a few choke points out of New York City, you could shut down New York City, the tunnels and bridges. Done. Bam. That's it. You ain't going nowhere unless you've got a submarine that goes from the sewers. Or a boat. That's what's being talked about right now on social media. It's going to be a long, hot summer. Folks, go to Canada Free Press, if you will. Leave a comment on my on my article. The reason I ask you to do that is really simple. It just it elevates the placement in the search engines, but it's Obama. The um, agent of anarchy. And, and that's exactly what he is. Go to HagmanHagman.com for show information and HagmanReport.com for show prep. All important there. Tomorrow night, Timothy Alberino and Steve Quayle coming on to talk about their findings, their new DVD. What a great show it's going to be tomorrow night. So stay tuned for tomorrow's show. And then Friday, we've got Ted Burr coming in talking a little bit more about Dallas and the events that will likely take place between now and then. Folks, I want to say thank you so much for for joining me and being part of our show tonight. God bless. Stay safe. Until tomorrow. Good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network.